November 16th, 2023, where Masechet Amud Aleph, if you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's seven lines up, the last word on the line. If you recall the Mishnah, which the Gemara had been dealing with, finishes with the words, Hasad HaShaveh, the common denominator between all of these Avot Nezikin, these primary categories, is, and it gave several characteristics that are shared by each of those four categories mentioned in the Mishnah. One of them was One of them was that its way is to damage, or its typical nature is to damage. And in turn, when the Gemara is dealing with what Mav'eh is, when it's trying to define that word Mav'eh, the Gemara has stumbled upon the opinion of Rav and in turn challenges it. Rav suggested that Mav'eh refers to a human being, Adam HaMazik. And as a result, the Gemara's question is, is a human being, that's what we ended off the class with yesterday, is it typical for you and me to damage? Uh, listen, it might happen from time to time. We might get angry, we might make mistakes, or whatever the circumstance might be. But we're not like a pit. We're not like, uh, I don't know, fire, which by their very nature, are damaging instruments or damaging mechanisms, or even sure when we're talking about it, trampling or things of that sort. So says the Gemara, Adam Darkola Hazik, question mark, is a human being, is it typical for a human being to damage, to cause damage to others? Again, the words won't match up in our Mishnah. The Mishnah says the common denominator of all of these avot, these primary categories, one of them is that it's Darkola Hazik. If you're defining Mav'eh, the third of those primary categories of those avot nezikin as human being, as Adam hamazik rav. Well, how do you explain those words? It's not true. I mean, I'm sure there are some people, but generally speaking, human beings, it's not what you would say about them. Answers the Gemara, beyashin. The circumstance, situation, our Mishnah must be talking about a human being who's sleeping. And as a result, they're out of uh, full faculty with regards to control of their, uh, their body uh, functions and ways. And as a result, in turn, the Gemara is suggesting, it's Darkod Hazik, a human being who's sleeping. It's typical, it's normal for them to damage. Questions the Gemara, really? I get it. You're not in control of yourself when you're sleeping to a certain extent. But still, Yashin Darkod Hazik. You're telling me that a human being, when they're sleeping, that's you would say, you would point at that man, that woman, and say, oh, they're a damaging being. No, they're not damaging in theirs. Answers the Gemara, Kevan de Kaif Upashit Orhehu. Since when human beings are sleeping, they're Kaif. Kaif means to bend, and Pashit means to spread out. Since they bend their limbs and they spread out their limbs, it in turn would emerge that a person, when they're sleeping, if there's something next to them, we quoted already the Mishnah later on the Masechet will teach us that Adam Mu'ad Le'olam that a human being has Mu'ad status at all times now we're going to have to figure out exactly in a moment we're going to have to that's the Mishnah the Mishnah says explicitly Ben Er Ben Yashin whether they're awake or sleeping does that mean under all circumstances is the question in turn? Hang tight for one second. But Eli, you're not, your first reading of it is proper reading of it. In other words, the carelessness is true. It's not that it's out of your control, we'll address that in a moment, but it is that you were careless or that you couldn't be careful when you're sleeping. And as a result, since a human being, when they're sleeping, who does move around, who does stretch their limbs and open their arms and close them and legs and so forth, it is prone for them to enter into a damaged situation will qualify a person who's sleeping as darko lehazik, 
Under what circumstances? I'll take a look for a moment at Tosafot, the third to last Tosafot, they cite in turn from Talmud Yerusham. No, 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 physically. Physically, I'm sleeping and there's a lamp next to my bed and, or, or right next to my body. It's not unnatural for me to stretch myself out and knock it over. Talmud Yerushalmi, however, qualifies this by Yerushalmi, again, about eight lines from the bottom in Tosafot, they're citing in turn from Talmud Yerushalmi, who's qualifying this statement that a human being, when they're sleeping, are liable and are normal to be damaging. Yesh, the yashin lo mehayev ela, the only time you'll be obligated to pay as a damager when you're sleeping, it's when you mindfully went to sleep next to items. I put on the bed next to me your laptop. I placed on the night table right next to where I'm sleeping your expensive glass. In such a circumstance, I'm liable. In such a circumstance, we say However, aval im yashin, if I'm already sleeping, and you bring utensils next to me, and I in turn, as I'm sleeping, break them, Patur dehem garmulo. We say that the person who brought them afterwards, they're the ones who caused this damage. That's not on me. Uh, so that's important in terms of understanding the derech lehazik of human beings. We're not going to include onus. We're not going to include situations where you couldn't have been preventative in this respect. We are saying that when you put yourself in a situation that there's prone to be damages and you in turn are sleeping, the carelessness, careless nature of the human being when they're sleeping will qualify them as that kola hazik. In other words, it's your own body. It is similar. In other words, the words you're using, I assume, are peshi'a. You're not mezid, you're negligent in some respect. What you're referring to, we'll quickly encounter them, you know, the shomrim situations. To a certain extent, that's what we're talking about. A human being who's poshia, but it's on yourself. It's not that you were poshia with the objects of others. It's with your own body you were poshia. In those circumstances, I didn't, I think this is what you're talking about, I didn't watch it appropriately and something happened that I was negligent. Over here, my own body. It's, it's similar, it's related, it's a distant cousin, but that's the... Yeah, I, I'd imagine, I, I don't know a reason to distinguish. Why should it be any different than this? We went to sleep knowingly, right one next to the other. I outstretched my arm, my leg in the middle of my sleep, I'm going to be liable. Again, that's habala, but I don't have a reason why. Yeah, you slap the guy when you're sleeping. No, over here. No, that's the only word. You're not talking about You're not talking about mutana, so it's not a chot shabbat. Liability. Yeah. All right, says the Gemara, all right, that much we'll accept. We have a few more words we need to qualify in the Mishnah. The final words of the Mishnah are in terms of those common denominators. So again, number one, Darkola Hazik, we question, is a human being so? The answer is when they're sleeping, yes, sir. Uh, says the Gemara, but wait a second, what about the next words? It says, furthermore, quote, Ushmiratan Alecha. Their safeguarding is upon you. It's your responsibility to safeguard them. Again, we define those words 
In the second class of, the, of our learning, we said that there's one of several Pesukim in the Torah we could point to and say, you see, it's your responsibility to safeguard it. Everything we talk about for all intents and purposes is liability. How much do I pay? How much do I not pay? What about our responsibility? A hova from the Torah. So imagine different Pesukim that the Rishonim and Aharonim point to and they say, you see, it's your responsibility to make sure that you don't damage. Go ahead. Clarification as far as I know. Why is Tosafot quoting it here? The way we generally say is because Tosafot needs this in order to explain why it's Darkola Hazik. If, it, if it's an honest situation, you're not going to call that Darkola Hazik. If I was sleeping and you came and slept next to me or you put something next to me, I can say Darkola Hazik in such a circumstance. I was completely out of control. If alternatively, and that's what Tosafot is bothered by, that's why they're quoting Tamud Yusham, that's usually the way the Aharonim explain this Tosafot. So anyway, so again, Ushmirato Alecha. So the Gemara's question on these words is going to be a technical question. Uh, the words suggest that its safeguarding is upon you. If the definition of mav'eh, that's right, if the definition of mav'eh, the third one is yourself, uh, you don't say its safeguarding is upon you, you say your own safeguarding is upon you. It's the question of the Gemara. So again, says the Gemara, quote, Ushmiratan alecha, five lines from the bottom, questions the Gemara, Rav Adam, shemirat gufo alavhu. When you're dealing with a human being, you wouldn't say its safeguarding is upon him. You would say his body, your body, <coughs> is your own responsibility. The wording is a little bit funny. The Gemara is pointing out, according to Rav, says the Gemara effectively. We'll read it in a moment. That's right. It's a little funny. So we get past funny wording. But the Gemara has a fancy way of answering this for Rav. Uletamich, and according to your logic, Shimuel. So your claim is that the word in our Mishnah, Mav'eh, uh, refers to Shin. That's what Shimuel told us. You're questioning only me, Rav says, so to speak. I define Maveh as Adam. You should know there's another Beraita. You see, Mishnayot and Beraitot are two for all intents and purposes written or composed or spoken about in a similar period. So some Mishnayot are very similar to some Beraitot, and sometimes there's nuanced differences, sometimes they're very different. Over here we have a Beraita that's going to be cited. This Beraita is directly parallel, it appears, to our Mishnah, except for one major change. What's that? Instead of having Mav'eh, explicitly in this Beraita it's going to say Adam. Got it? Now the Beraita, it sounds like, is versed and written or, or composed in the same fashion. Everything looks the same except it says Hashor, Habor, Veha, Adam. Can you imagine? In that Beraita, wouldn't you have your same question? Your question is that the wording seems funny. Shmiratan Alecha, their safeguardings upon you. So you're asking it as a question to me. I define Maveh as Adam. Guess what? There's an explicit Beraita composed in such a fashion. You have the same question over there. Whatever you're answering over there, however you're weaseling out of it, and you need to do this as well, Shimuel, because it's explicit words. Uh, so that would be the answer for me. So says the Gemara, Uletamich, which literally means according to your logic, Hadetane Karna. What about the Beraita, which was taught by Karna, one of the Emoraim? Quote, Arba'a Avot Nezikin. It had in it four primary, but not Mav'eh, rather explicitly, Adam Ehadnehim. 
And then it says at the end of that beraita, shmiratan alecha. It's safeguarding is upon you. Adam shmirat kufo alav. Wouldn't you ask the same question over there? So it's not just a question to me, explains Rav. It's a question on an explicit beraita. Ela keda amar le Rabbi Avahu letana. Rather, you have to answer the same way Rabbi Avahu did to the Tana. The Tana over there refers to the, the student who was reading the beraita out loud. So they would have students surrounding the rabbi, and the students, one of them, would explain the beraita, would quote the beraita. The rabbi would explain the beraita. So when this was cited in front of Rabbi Avahu, Rabbi Avahu paused him and said to him, Tane Adam Shemirat Kufo Alav. Add to your add to the beraita. You know it by heart, right? And a human being, his own safeguarding is upon him. So we just uh, just add in a few words. Over here in our Mishnah, don't get worked up on that uh, difficult wording. You should teach, you should add to the Mishnah. Adam Shemirat Kufo Alav. Period. There's no difficulty in the fact that it says Shemirat Tan Alecha. Just change it when it comes to a human being. Shemirat Gufo Alav. It's a technical detail. It's a question that was posed and effectively just pushed off to the side by Rav. Each one of the opinions, both Rav and Shemuel, stand solidly. Rav maintains Mav'e means Adam. Shemuel alternatively maintained that Mav'e was Shen. We tested them. We cited Pesukim. We understood the two angles. Neither one of them was able to forcefully make a claim that their opinion was right over the other, and therefore, that's the way Tosafot understands. Beraita says Adam, it skips Mav'eh. Instead of saying Mav'eh, it just says Adam as one of them. So is that a proof for Rav? Not necessarily, because it could be. It's a kind of a proof. I got, it doesn't say Mav'eh, it says Adam, so it might be that Beraita doesn't quote Shin. I, you know, it, it helps. It's not part, you know, it helps. Shimuel's position is that the word mav'eh, which is a mysterious word, refers to shin, when an animal goes at something for its Nothing own benefit. Nothing to do with human. Nothing to do with human. He doesn't disagree with the fact that, and that's the, the funny thing, that a human being is not liable and that a human being isn't explicit in the Torah. It's just not the av in our Mishnah. It's just not in our Mishnah. It's later. It's pasuk in the Torah, number one. Number two, it's in the Mishnah later on in Daftet. Why is it not one of the four? So, so it, so it is an av. It is an av. This, this is the funny part. Yeah, I, I'll give you, an, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, the, the counting of the six hundred thirteen mitzvot. Harambam has a sefer mitzvot. He goes through. He has fourteen principles at the front of it. Here's what I count. Here's what I don't count. And Rambam Nachmani disagrees with him on certain ones. And then they count them and they disagree and they agree and then so on and so forth. When it all finishes, I look at it and I say, Listen, there's a lot more than six hundred thirteen mitzvot. It's just a question of which one counts as the six thirteen. What's the difference? I don't have a good answer to that question. It's a question of which one counts. They used to be very obsessed with classifying and codifying. Which ones are in? It's from the force of the Torah. You agree that God commanded us, etc. It just doesn't count as part of the 613 mitzvot. Effectively, a similar thing going on over here. Everyone's, what's that? Uh, that's the point. That's exactly the point. Because the question they ask is, so then why did you list only four? Uh, so the answer is for qualifying, for classifying. We wanted those four. It's not only those four. As a matter of fact, we're gonna, on this page, we're going to quote an opinion who says there's 13. An opinion that has 24. Nobody's going to disagree in principle that you're liable for all those cases. It's just a question if you're counting four at the beginning of the Masechet, how are you going to count those? Why exactly and what exactly has to do with how you classify? 
Does it have any practical ramifications? Not that I know of. So that's Maybe yes, maybe no. The Gemara, the, the interesting thing on the Gemara and Davhe is going to question the 13 and the 24, what are the toladot at all? And they can't really find any. So they're ultimately speaking going to count uh, the fact that you pay from metav. I mean, we'll see that when we get there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, it's, uh, if, if it per se would be. But regardless, anyway, says the Gemara over here, um, says the Gemara, oh, so as I was saying, so we have, those are the two approaches to Mav'eh. Each one of them had deficiencies. It's therefore, that's the way Tosafot understands this next line, it's therefore an opening to give another suggestion to what Mav'eh means. Now rest assured, it's only going to be about 10, 15 lines of this conversation, but it's an interesting one, a new claim. Now it's not one, it's not Rav and Shemuel, it's not a household name in terms of making this claim, but once you told me neither one of those opinions are solid to the extent that they could make the claim that they're right about the definition of Mav'eh, maybe I should look in the Torah and the Navi and I should find another Pasuk which has that same shortish and suggests something different. And in this particular case, a redundancy that's repeated somewhere else? Because if it's a redundancy, then why would it be repeated? Right, it's, it's not repeated. The word, the word mav'eh, no. The, the shortish, the root of that word in the Torah. The interpretation of Is the interpretation something that's a redundancy now? Because what, what do you mean? Oh, so that, that was the issue. That Shin seems to be redundant. That was the question. That, that was one of the deficiencies, one of the problems with the opinion of Shemuel. Shemuel, you're claiming a Shin that was already incorporated in Shur. That was one of the claims. He had to weasel his way out of it. Don't think uh, Rav was easy on this, because Rav, we said to him, later on we're going to explicitly mention Adam. So what, you're telling me we veiled it, we hid it in the first one? Uh, each one of them have their difficulty. That's why... Initially, the Gemara is going to have a better claim right now from Maveh because it's not repeated, it's not mentioned anywhere. It says the Gemara, Matkif la, two lines from the top, Rav Mari, Maybe Maveh refers to water. Well, first, the Pasuk, Kidichtiv, as the Pasuk uses this Shoresh of Maveh, this root of that word, in the context of water. Kikdoach ish hamasim. Maim Tiv'eh Pasuk in Yeshayahu, as Rashi explains it, goes like this. Kikdoach esh hamasim. The same way that fire can melt meltable items. For example, says Rashi, tar, or things of that sort. So too, Maim Tiv'eh esh. Water, bubbles, ish, fire. I agree with you. Rashi says differently. But, you know, you have to pay attention. Look for when someone throws water onto fire. When throw water onto fire, the fire does react. There is an initial, it's not actually bubbling. The water would bubble if it was separated. But the fire does have a way of acting differently. You see the fire jump around a little bit. That's the reference in the Pasuk. And that's the Lashon of Tiv'eh. And what's the context of the Pasuk? That's how your name, God, will be known to your enemies. When you punish your enemies, they're going to fear it. They're going to feel it forcefully. They're going to feel it like fire melts uh, the meltable things. And the way water seems to play with fire. Oh, so it means in the Pasuk, Tiv'eh, 
seems to be referring to water. Water bubbling the fire. Again, says the Gemara, Matkif La. There's a question posed from Rav Mare. Ve'ema. Why don't we say, is water. We're going to have to define what it means, water, as a damaging thing. As it says, Okay, so that's, uh, that's, that's the pasuk that we're dealing with. Okay, uh, first and foremost, before we, well, let's deflect it first and then try to understand further. Says the Gemara, Does the pasuk say, which is always in plural, a plural verb, again, uh, is singular. Niv'u is plural. In, in Hebrew, when you have a vav at the end of the word, shameru, uh, vaychulu, and so on and so forth, that's in plural. Vaychal is in singular. Over here, if it's water, mayim by definition is plural, always, and therefore the pasuk should say niv'u, it should say it in plural if it's a verb which is referring to the water. Instead, the understanding is that the verb is referring not to the water, but rather to the fire. That's why it's in singular. Fire is a singular thing. Water is seen as plural always, and in turn the pasuk should say niv'u. The fact that the pasuk says tiv'e, which is singular, is instead referring to fire. Oh, so pause for a second on that. So again, says the Gemara, mi ketiv ma'im niv'u, question mark, tiv'e esh ketiv. The pasuk instead says in singular, in feminine even, tiv'e esh, that fire will be bubbled, or will be bubbling, and in turn, uh, we'll, we'll deal with that in a moment or two, maybe means fire. Hold that on the side. What it means to say, though, however, for us in the Gemara, is we set forth an angle. Maybe water is the definition to mav'eh. We deflected it. Uh, it can't be fire. We know that already because we know the fourth of our avot is fire. That's effectively how we're going to throw out this whole conversation. But before we get there, what's the thought of the Gemara at all? What does it mean fire is a damaging mechanism? A. Uh, B, along the same lines, but getting to that point, in order for something to be an av, in order for something to be a primary category, you need a pasuk in the Torah. Do you have a pasuk in the Torah that refers to water as a damaging mechanism? So take a look at the right-hand side at Tosafot. At Tosafot, ve'emam mav'eze ha'maim. So Tosafot first begins from the way I told you, perush. The reason the Gemara is challenging now is, kevan dikra ladayeke lo kemor velo kemor. Since the pesukim, were neither precise according to Rav nor according to Shemuel. Each one of them had claims one on the other. Now Tosafot asks the next question. In order for something to be qualified as an Av, it needs to be explicit or implicit in the Torah. Where does it say water in the Torah? Tosafot. And so the suggestion of Tosafot very cleverly, cleverly is that the Pasuk says in the context of Regel and Shen, Vishilach et Beiro, and that Lashon of Vishilach, Shin Lamet sending forth, is used similarly by water. Tosafot goes on to. His own, uh, his own uh, Limud. It's not a Gezerah Shavah per se, a Gilui. Yes. I mean, they need to do Gilui, in other words, it's revealing from another Pasuk. It's difficult, Tosafot understands that, because Vishilach is talking about Be'iro, it's talking about your cattle, 
Right? That's the best Tosafot is able to do in terms of the Av. If anyway, the Gemara will knock this down within a second, as we saw. But what was the Hava Amina? What are we talking about when we say water? So if you skip down just a few lines in Tosafot, it's the first word on the line is Vav Alif Taf, V'im Toma, right? So that's what Tosafot initially suggested. The interim lines are just the technicalities of how you're going to deal with the word Veshilach. Now they question, V'im Tomar, Vehane Maim Hechi Dame, question mark. What's the case? When we talk about water, what's the quality and the nature of water which is damaging? I suggest Tosafo says maybe the case is indeed, it goes like this. A bitka de maya, it's a case in Masechet Sanhedrin, which we all, many of us learned together, means that there's a dam of water over here, and this is the dam that is holding it up, and there's something on this side. In Masechet Sanhedrin, there's a person on this side. You layer, you, you take away that, uh, you, you level, is the word I'm looking for, the uh, dam. The water goes down, and it directly kills the person. In our case, it directly damages. Says Tosafot, that's what's called koho. That's not the water damaging, that's you damaging. The fact that you took away the dam, the fact that the barrier was removed by you, we call that koach rishon, that's direct damage, that's adam hamazik, that's not water which is being mazik, that's you which is being mazik. So maybe the case is alternatively, here's the uh, barrier, and the item which is to be damaged is down here. I don't know what we're talking about. You have your car over here. So I take away the, uh, the barrier for the water, and now the water starts gushing initially, but then it starts trickling by the time it gets to your car. Well, hang tight. So if I remove the, the barrier immediately, that's not water damaging, that's me. I did it through water, but it's me. It's not that the water, so to speak, separate from me. Alternatively, says Tosafa, maybe it's what you call koach sheni. Koach sheni means it's removed. It's a second force. It's not direct force. It's a removed force. I remove the barrier. The water initially gushes, doesn't damage anything, but then after a little bit, damages. Maybe that's the case. Says Tosafot, you're not liable. That's gerama be'almahi. That's, we know that from Hilchot Shabbat. I moved it, but the moving but the moving did not cause the initial damage. And as a result, gerama on Shabbat, if I do something, gerama, it's indirect. The halacha is at the very least, I'm not hayav min ha-Torah. I did it. I ultimately speak. These, these are all important questions. Gemara and Sanhedrin doesn't talk about feet, but Gemara does try to qualify it in that suit. In I got you on Shabbat, if you have Kavanah for Gerama for the Melacha as well, you're still not going to be liable in HaTorah, even though you did Melechim It's an indirect action. Indirect action is not going to give you a full liability. In Nizikin, it's the understanding of Tosafot is going to give you zero liability. That's the Gemara and Sanhedrin, seemingly. So uh, but Gerama, I'm not causing anything to anybody else. I'll be here, I'm causing something to somebody else purposely. In Gerama, in one case, you're not causing it to a person. Again, over here, I'm causing it, but indirectly. Maybe you would have thought, unless it's a direct action, listen, the Gemara later on will need a pasuk, and the Gemara doesn't Sanhedrin to say that Gerama in Nizikin is patur. But ultimately speaking, it is patur. The Sevara, we can discuss. I, got, I guess you don't like it. Um, Give me one second. On, no, because that might, that might be related to the second answer of Tosafot. Uh, but, so the answer of Tosafot is, V'yesh lomar demayere bekoach sheni, 
period. First answer of Tosafot is indeed. When our Gemara is suggesting that maybe it's water, and we challenge it, wait a second, but it's second degree water, if it's not direct, then maybe in such a circumstance I won't be liable, because in general, Gerama is not liable. That's the Hidush. The Hidush, the novelty over here, would have been that you're going to be liable even though it's removed. Who said? The Torah said. The Mishnah said so. And that's what the definition of Maveh it's an exception to the general rule. The general rule is if it's indirect damage, you're not liable. Maybe when it comes to water, for one reason or another, even indirect would be liable. Iname, alternatively, second answer of Tosafot, batar denahu. The case is not that you caused the rush of water, but rather, along the lines of Jeffrey's question a moment ago, it's that the water rested. What does that mean? It means I let out water and the water rested on the curb in front of my house. And someone, something comes by and gets damaged from that water. Be it slipping, be it dirtied, whatever the case is. Wouldn't that be bore, asked Jesse. Isn't that the definition of bore? That's, that's the av of bore. The toledah of bore is hinyach avno sakino masaober shutarabim uh, the Gemara on the Vav, which Tosafot goes on to cite, is a little bit complicated to give you the full context right now, but we'll get there in due time. Gemara on the Vav points out that initially, as Jesse said, that's Bor. So the Gemara says that maybe you have a case where you wouldn't imagine it's a typical Bor. What's a not typical Bor? The following, during the winter season, the rainy season, there used to be a practice, I guess, in Bavel or in Eretz Israel, which was different than during the summer season. Season. The summer season, they wanted the streets to look clean. They wanted the sidewalks to appear uh, clean. And as a result, you weren't allowed to empty the water from your gutters into the public area. I guess you had to drain it out on your property in some way. You weren't allowed to empty out the, the garbage that says from your caves, whatever exactly that was, into a public domain. That was during the summer season. During the winter season, where everyone was going by anyway, sloshing through the streets and there was mud already, you were allowed to let your water out in such a circle. Ah, in that situation, I was allowed to let the water out, and I did, bereshut, with permission, in such a circumstance, it's not a typical, it's not a prototypical uh, board. Maybe in that situation I'm not liable. The Gemara later on will say, we'll get there, that you are liable. Suggest Tosafot. Over here, it's along the lines of Jeffrey. In other words, I assuming, I don't think ICE is allowed. I think ICE, Bizman Hazeh, I think the government says you're not allowed to leave it. But let's say the government allowed for you to leave your water and it gets icy and someone gets hurt on your property. The Hidush would be over here. You're still going to be Hayav. Why are you Hayav? But I was allowed to leave it there. Nobody told me I had to clean up my eyes. It's not like a pit. I'm not allowed to put a pit. It's a stumbling block. I'm allowed to do this. That's why ice, I don't know if it's the greatest. Ice would be mamash board. Over here, I'm allowed to leave the water in the front. Maybe that's what Mav'eh tells me. Mav'eh tells me that I'm nonetheless hayav. That's the suggestion of Tosafot. Again, the Gemara will deflect this and suggest it's not so, but parenthetically, you are liable in such a circumstance. Not because of Mav'eh, not because of regular board, but you are. That's what we'll see on Dafad. Even though you are allowed to put the item in front, and you did so, someone slips on it, you're still liable. It's an interesting point. But, yeah. This Mav'eh is going to be original and Yes. We will, 
We knocked it out already. We knocked it out because we said that the pasuk doesn't say niv'u, it says tiv'e. It doesn't say it in plural, so it can't be water. So, so it doesn't be fire anyways. So it can't be fire Okay, so now we're going to test if it's fire, and then we're going to go to the Tzad Shaven and say it can't be. This is the next line in the Gemara. Matkifla Ravzevid. Ravzevid in turn has uh, um, uh, 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 the following question. He says, So you told me that tiv'e in that pasuk can't be referring to the water because it's not written in plural as niv'u, they will bubble, but rather it says tiv'e, which seems to describe the fire being bubbled. When the pasuk says tiv'e, it's referring to the fire. And so in turn in our Mishlah, hashor, habor, gatos, mav'e refers to not adam, not shen, not mayim, but rather esh, fire. Ihache says the Gemara, if that's the case, my mav'e ve'ahev'er, question mark. How do you read the Mishnah? Number one, shor. Number two, bor. Got it. Number three, fire. Number four, fire. Uh, same thing. Uh, says the Gemara, maybe it's a translation. Uh, it goes like this. Hashor, habor, Parentheses, you want to know what that is? It's fire. Any questions? Question is, now there's not four, there's three now. It goes hashor, habor, and mav'e, which is fire. That's only three. Says Gemara, yihache, arba'a, question mark. If that's the case, you started the Mishnah by telling me, I'm going to list for you four avot nezikin, shelosha havu, vechitema, maybe, alternatively, it goes like this, tanashor di'itbetarte. Shor, which starts, it really gets counted as two. Regel and shin. Shor, when it's mentioned at the beginning of the Mishnah, is referring to trampling, number one of Shor, and eating, number two of Shor. Number three is Bor, number four is fire. That's how I got to four. That's a funny reading of the Mishnah, but it's a suggestion of the Gemara. And now we get to your point, Jesse. When the Mishnah describes the difference between the cases, and it says, and uh, Shor are different because they have life source. Well, that's not true. Mav'eh, according to this interpretation, has no life source. It is fire. Ish, hayim itbe. What uh, life source does it have? Vitu. And furthermore, what does it say? My ish. What does it mean in the Mishnah that the Mav'eh is not like the Ish? What do you mean it's not like the Ish? It is the Ish. And so therefore says the Gemara, rest assured, Mav'eh is not Ish, Mav'eh is not Ma'im, Mav'eh alternatively it's either Adam or Shin, whether you follow the opinion of Rav or Shemuel. Men, one of the opinions, Rav's opinion. With regards to Mav'eh, we only have two ultimately speaking, either a human being or an animal which is eating, in other words, beneficially damaging, those are our two options. We tried water, we tried fire, we knocked both of those out. Baruch Amen, amen.